This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Second Samuel chapter 7. This, in my estimation, is one of the... I don't even know how to say it. It's one of the most critical episodes, events in the scriptures, at least in my estimation. And when we get to it, I'm going to try to do it justice. And, you know, sometimes in some things you come across uh, that you get a chance to minister and then sometimes you don't think that you can really give it the justice uh, that is due the passage of scripture and what's going on and what God is doing and what God is revealing in it. So I'll do my best uh, to do that to you. And at the same time, when we go over these things, some of you may have heard these things before, but you're not the only ones here. And so you got to be mindful that when I take my time, I explain things that you might already know. You know what happens, though? God is able to do that. God takes the simple things and he'll blow your mind. Like, man, I missed that all together. And we're doing it for the sake of others, but at the same time, God is still going to speak. Okay? So 2 Samuel, chapter 7, and don't worry, I'll let you know when we get into it what we're going to be talking about, so you don't worry about your titles right now. 2 Samuel, chapter 7, starting at verse number 1. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. Now, I want to stop right there. I just want to stop right there, because... And I don't know if, if you're like me, but sometimes you go to sleep and you know something's coming tomorrow. And something that you wish you didn't have to face tomorrow. Something you wish you didn't have to deal with. And occupies too much of your mind. And you get sleep, but you wake up and you intend to seek God first. But that thing is so occupying your mind, you've got to get it out of your mind first. Because your mind immediately goes to, i, I got to take care of this today. This is coming up today. I didn't want to have to deal with this. How am I going to handle this? And the, you know, you go there. But my imagination now, the king here is David. My imagination is that what happened here is that David probably had something like that going on in his life. Especially as a king, you always got something going on. But I believe one day he woke up and he said, you know what? There's peace in the land. There's peace in my house. There's peace in my heart. God, you're good. I believe that overwhelmed him at that time. Oh, I, I, I love it because sometimes we have good things going on and we don't remember that. It's only good because of God. And he recognized, he, know, he, he said, I know who butters my bread. And so, verse number one again, And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest. The Lord had given him rest. He's at peace here. Things are going good. Things are well. And he's recognizing that. The Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. So he comes out of that heart in verse number two. So with this in mind that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Now, I want to make sure that you understand what's going on here. That at this time, they didn't have churches. They couldn't go up the street, you know, like you can in some places, and there's a church on every corner. 
they had one place of worship, and that was the tabernacle. The short form of the word tabernacle is tent. So God, at this point in time, was, his presence was, as far as we were concerned, kept in a tent. And David is sitting, saying, you know, God has given me rest. I'm sitting in this nice, strong structure made of cedar. And God's given me rest. And God's in a tent. Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. I'm telling you, sometimes I want to keep going. And I don't want to say things that, you know, come to my mind. But sometimes I just got to say it. I wish more church members were like this. Uh, It gets quiet on stuff like that. But I just wish more church members were like this. You know, we we get mad because they went up on our cable. But he's giving you rest. And then when the church says comes and says, well, we got this going on. You're like, no, nah, but they just went up on my cable. David said, he's giving me rest around about from my enemies. I'm sitting up here in a house of cedar and you're in a tent. Now, and, and don't, you've got to understand this. Do not get confused about the tent. The tent is not, maybe you can follow me, it's not podunk. It's not poor. It's not a scrap heap. You've got to understand, God gave directions on how to put the tent together. And the tent has metals, brass, shining brass, silver, gold. It's got scarlet within it. It's got embroidery. So it is not something that is just a shanty. And so David's mind here is that, yeah, but it's, it's so, if a tornado comes, it can come and take everything. You know what I'm saying? The natural disaster, flood, you got, we got issues. You need something that's more stable. You need something more permanent. Verse 2 again. So he's gotten rest. And the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Now, here's the thing about Nathan. Nathan is quick, isn't he? David didn't even finish the sentence. I know what you're talking about, David. God's with you. Go ahead and do it. (laughs) Amen. I believe, again, I believe so many ministers would just applaud. People would come up and say, you know what? I'm doing well. God, what can I do for you? And you know what he did? He went to the prophet. Amen. Glory to you. Follow me. Follow me. Stay with me. He went to the prophet. And the prophet said, okay, that's right. That's God. Go forward. Verse 4. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? You've got to understand his questioning here. He's not saying, Oh, David, that's so nice. You're going to build me a house? You're going to build me a house? You are going to build me a house to dwell in. Now, this is interesting. When we get into the, we're going to read to verse 11 for right now. But when we get into this, this is, I don't even know really how to describe this. This is why sometimes I, I say I can't do it justice. God is not necessarily chiding him, but he's correcting him. He's putting some things in order. And not because he's mad at David. He just, David, you've got a sincere heart. 
but you need to understand some things. Verse 5 again. Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. Verse 7. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word. Did I ever say one word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel? Did I ever say one word to them saying, why build ye not me a house of cedar? You see what God is saying? He said, now you want to build me a house, right? But did you ever consider, do I want a house? In other words, God is saying, this tabernacle actually serves a purpose. I wasn't looking for anything different. Okay? Verse 7 again. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, here he goes. I took you from the sheep coat, from following the sheep. To be, ruler, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with you, with the servant thou winnest. It's implied here, so I'm just going to speak that which is implied. And I have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight. And I have made thee a great name. Like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. You hear what God is saying? So you're going to do something for me? Uh, David, you need me, I don't need you. Verse 10, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. This is awesome to me. This really is. This is so awesome to me because God is flowing with David. David's saying, you need a more permanent structure. And God is saying, I don't need you to do anything for me, but i got plans for other people because I do for others. You hear what God is saying? You're going to try to outgive me, but I just keep on giving. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. A more permanent structure. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, just like that time, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. That's awesome. That's awesome. God says, you're going to build me a house? Let me tell you something, David. I'm God. You needed me when you were with the sheep. See, you acknowledged me when the lion and the bear came. I'm the one who made you ruler over my people, over Israel. You're going to build me a house. I'm going to do something else for the people of Israel, and I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to build you a house. I'm telling you, you cannot outgive God. You can't outdo God. You know, we work, you know, we try to perfect that love, but that's who he is. But what I want you to see here, this is, this is very interesting because I'm, here's part of what we're teaching, what I'm going to teach this section. 
I'm going to teach the house of God. But I'm going to teach the house of God to get to a specific subject. We'll get there. We'll get there. What I want you to see is that now God is introducing this idea of he's going to do some building. He introduces this idea in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And again, to me this is amazing because he says things here that he hadn't said before. So he's revealing some things. Brand new revelation to David. That's going to impact us thousands of years beyond this time. And so, what I want you to see, first of all, is that in this we find God, well, David, excuse me, David desires to build God a house. That's his desire. David desires to build God a house. And you know who he talks to? He talks to the prophet. Why does he talk to the prophet? He's looking for authorization. To do that which is in his heart. And that's a good thing to do. To look for that authorization. But God says, I've already got plans, David. Now check this out. You've got to pay attention to things that are said. And sometimes you think, why was that said? Why was that even put in the scriptures? For instance, why did we get the in between, between God speaking and David saying, this is in my heart. What was in between there? He went to the prophet and asked the prophet for authorization. And the prophet said, do that which is in your heart because God is with you. But then the prophet gets home and God says, uh, excuse me, you think you know. And he was looking for, for authorization from you. Here's why we're going to look at or introduce to you the house. Because... In this house, we're going to be introduced to authority. And it was not on accident, not in my mind, that this was included here. So that we might see that even though the prophet has some measure of authorization, God says, here's authority. I get the final word. I get the final word. Here's your introduction to authority. It comes with the introduction to the house of God. Authority gets the final say. Authority gets the final say. Now, here's the thing that you've got to understand about this, too. This, is, this, this gets me because this just shows who God is. You know, if you befriend God and he has your heart, he'll reveal things to you as well. Uh, I, I, let me keep going because otherwise I'll get bogged down. We've got a lot to, to, to speak to. So, notice the flow of authority. David looks for authorization. And who does he look for authorization to? The prophet. And then the prophet finds out, you know what? But God said. And as much as I want to authorize it, God gets the final say. So, the topic that we're going to talk about, and I think I already told you, is introduction to the house of God. And it's an introduction to authority. And we're going to see this through the house of God. Now turn to Romans chapter... Well, keep your ribbon in 2 Samuel 7. I'm sure we'll get back to this. But turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. 
Now, authority, we're going to first find it, we're going to first find it in the New Testament. We're going to start at Romans chapter 13. And you'll find that authority in the New Testament is contained within the word power. Contained within the word power. We want to see this first in Romans chapter 13. Verse number 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now that word power there, that actually means authority. Let every soul be subject unto the higher authorities. Okay, and it's talking natural. And I want to say this about this because we've got... I don't even know how to say this nicely, but, but we can't go crazy with this scripture. We can't be off balance with this scripture. This doesn't mean anything that the government says, do, just do it. Just go along with it. That's not what this is saying. Uh, for instance, if anybody would have flowed with authority, you would think that John the Baptist would have. He was a prophet from the womb. But you know what he told Herod? You can't marry your brother's wife. <laughs> it doesn't sound like he was flowing with authority then. See, authority outside of righteousness is outside of God's ordination. So, so don't get goofy with this. Don't, don't get crazy with this. This doesn't say, whatever they say, do, let's do it. No, no, no. That's why we're getting introduced to the house of God. Because somebody has the final say. But here, power, powers, it is authority. And the Greek word used here is exousia. Exousia. E-X-O-U-S-I-A. Exousia. Okay? So here we find in Romans chapter 13 an allusion to authority using the Greek word exousia. Now find here in Acts chapter 1 another passage of scripture in the New Testament that has the same word power. Acts chapter 1. Verse number 6. When they therefore were come together they asked of him saying Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Just, just meditate on that for a second. You know, God has times and seasons. We've been learning about that. We've learned about that. But it's not necessarily for you to know when. Amen. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But... Here's what you should know. You shall receive power. So no matter the season, when it comes and when it goes, you can have power. But you shall receive power 
After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So there's that word, power. This time, it's not exousia or exousia. It is the Greek word dunamis. The Greek word dunamis. D-Y-N-A-M-I-S. Or D-U, depending on who you follow after. D-Y-N-A-M-I-S. Dunamis. Jesus said, you shall receive dunamis. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Again, let me say this and then quickly move forward. He's talking about people and their anxiety about the change of seasons. Is this a time for the kingdom to be returned to Israel? You don't need to know this. What you need to know is you can receive power. You can receive dunamis with the Holy Ghost. That's our strength. That's our encouragement. Now, let's look at this word exousia. Exousia. What does exousia mean? When we break it down, it means the right to act. It means the right to act, or you could say the privilege to act. It's the right or the privilege to act. It is the authority to rule. It is the right to act. It is the authority to rule. It is the right to control. Exousia. The right to act. The authority to rule. The right to control. So, if you have the exousia, you have, you get to call the shots. If you have the exousia, you're the shot caller. If you have the exousia, the call is yours. In other words, people can sit around and agree on what they want to do, but they have a, a, a paper signature of authority, and if you have the exousia, you've got to sign off on it or it's not going to get done. That's exousia. It is the right to rule. It is the authority to rule. It is the right to control. So if you have the exousia, the call is yours, the decision belongs to you. You have the final say. You can stop it or you can allow it. That's exousia. So in other words, the final say is given to the individual with the exousia. The final say is given to the person with the exousia. Now, dunamis is different. Dunamis is the ability to act. See, whereas exousia is the right to act, dunamis is the ability to act. It is the power to act. <laughs> it is the might of force or enforcement. It's not the right, it's the might. It's the ability. If you have the dunamis, 
You've got what it takes to get it done. <laughs> You've got the tools to see it through. That's the dunamis. So check this out. You can have the exousia or exousia and not have the dunamis. You catch me on that one? You can have the exousia, but not have the dunamis. You can have the right to control, but not have the strength to get it done. You know, someone was talking about the... Is that today? Well, anyway, someone, someone mentioned something about the, the NCAA Finals. And they had me thinking about this. Oh, okay, I see. Because the coach gets to call the shots, but they can't play. See, the coach has the exousia, but the players, they have the dunamis. That's why they make demands <laughs> at contract time in the professional. Because they know, yeah, you may call the shots, but you can't get it done without me. But that's just the way it is. You can have the exousia and yet not have the dunamis. And vice versa. You can have the dunamis and not have the exousia. You can have all the ability, but yet not have the say. And now I know how some people like to think of themselves. Some people think of themselves as the strongest, but you're not. Plain and simple. I don't care how long you trained. I don't care how long you've been in that way. I don't care how much knowledge you have. I don't care how much discipline you've exercised. There's always somebody stronger. You know, that's what they find in... Well, let me, let me keep going. But, but I, I think sometimes the higher powers, you know, the natural authorities, sometimes they forget. And they think too much of themselves. And then the next thing you know, there's a coup because someone says, you ain't that strong. <laughs> then the person who takes power thinks they're all that. And then they eventually find out, you know, no, 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 you're not that strong. So, powers in the New Testament is broken up to exousia and dunamis. Exousia, the right, dunamis, the might. We find those used, and when we find them used, it's pretty evident what's what in the scriptures, okay, in the New Testament. But I'll tell you this. Turn to Psalm 62. You'll find power in the Old Testament, and I really don't know how best to say that, but it's not broken up like it is in the New Testament. Hear me on this. This is interesting to me. I'm not saying that it's not there, but you don't find the same plain distinction in the Old Testament that you do in the New Testament when it comes to power. And I believe there's a reason why. Psalm 62. Uh, let's start at verse. Let's start at verse 7. Let's read from verse 7 through verse 11. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Salah. 
Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Why not? Verse 11. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this. That power belongeth unto God. I love verse 11. It stands by itself. And all I see, it seems to me as though it needs no explanation. God has spoken once. All he needs to do is say it one time. But the writer says, but twice have I heard this. He said it in such a form, such a, fa- uh, such a fashion, and in such a way that he doesn't need to say it again. But the way he did it, it stays with me. It's like he's saying it over and over again. Power belongs to God. See how we talked about the, how you can have the exousia but not the dunamis? Well, there's somebody who has both. He has all the dunamis, and that gives him all the exousia. See, once hath he spoken, twice have I heard this, power belongs to God. I believe that's one of the things that David recognized when he was in his house of cedar. He says, you know what, look at me in power. Oh, wait, wait a minute, power belongs to God. <laughs> He set me up, so I want to set him up. But God came back to David and said, wait a minute, David. Power belongs to me. I don't need you. You need me. And that's all right with God. Did you hear that? That's all right with God. You know how sometimes it seems as though, God, here I come again. But God is like, I'm all right with that. I know you're weak, but I got all the dunamis. And you have the smarts to know that I have the exu- I get the final say, so you came to the right one. There is a case, and only one case, where someone truly has the dunamis and the exousia. He has all the dunamis, he has all the exousia, and we call him God. <laughs> and this is what I love about it. And he, then he says, but you're my children. Not only is he God, but he's our father. See, there's something different about when you know someone, somebody who has that, but when it's your own father. Wow. And I want you to understand this. This, this runs through my mind constantly. This, this really does. We, we get lazy in our language. Can I say it that way? And so we use authority here, we use authority there, but I want to tell you, God is the authority. God is the authority. All other authority reports to authority. But all authority stops with the authority, and the authority is God. That's why David went to the prophet, because David saw authority in the prophet, but God let Nathan know, I'm the authority. I get the final say. Aren't you? Again, I love that. My father has the final say. So no matter what condition I am in, no matter what the status, no matter how it looks, it ain't over till the final word comes in. 
and I got a direct line because I've got a father. In other words, God is the authority. Never forget that. God is the authority. I don't care what it looks like other people are getting away with. They're ignorant. You're not. God is the authority. And I don't have to please them. I must please the authority. So all the power is in his hand. And he gets the final say. Look at this in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. one of the scriptures that I enjoy. Verse 4. Where the word of the king is, there's power. (laughs) I like that. Again, this is what I say in the Old Testament. You can't necessarily distinguish between, are are you talking about strength? Are you talking about the right? No, 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 see, because God, there's a king of kings. There's a lord of lords. And all dunamis belongs to him. All exousia belongs to him. And so where the word of the king is, there's both. There's power. He has the might of enforcement. And he has the right to rule. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who, I like to say this, who in their right mind? Is going to say unto him, what are you doing? That's a fool. (laughs) That's an ignorant individual. That's a dummy. However you want to say it. How can you recognize that authority and then question it? See, the king has the say and he has the might to enforce it. So you had best just go along with the program. See, this is wisdom. See, see, this is the book of wisdom. Ecclesiastes, the preacher is preaching. Let me share with you some wisdom. Don't be a fool. You recognize authority, flow. Flow. Yeah, I've got to show you this. Look at this in Acts chapter 12. This is... This is something else. See, because every now and then, just like I made mention, people with, with a little bit of power, a little taste of power, they start smelling themselves. And they're like, I sure do smell good. Boy, I smell good. And God, from time to time, you know, because trust me, I don't care what anybody gets away with. There's a day coming. He's going to say, this is it. Here's the final word. So, so don't worry. No one's going to get away with anything. Now, it seems like before our eyes, people are getting away with stuff. Don't worry, God is working. But there are times when God says, no, 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 I'm sorry, I've got to intervene here. <laughs> I can't wait, I've got to intervene right now. So, rulers get caught up, they start smelling themselves, they think they have a, um, they fail to recognize that he's the authority, God is the authority, they think that they're the authority. They think they have the final say. And sometimes God will say, Power belongs to me. Acts chapter 12. 
verse, let me get to Acts chapter 12, verse 20, verse 20, verse 20, and Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain their friend, desired peace. So, so they're at odds with Herod, but they want peace. Because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration, made a, a, a speech unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. Verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eating the worms and gave up the ghost. Once hath he spoken. Twice have I heard this. I believe someone who didn't know that scripture was present at that point and said, you know what? I think God just spoke. And he doesn't need to speak again. Power belongs to God. Turn to the book of Daniel. <laughs> Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Again, I don't think there's any accident. We're going to get to this. Just, you're going to have to stay with me. There's no accident in Second Samuel chapter 7 that he introduces us to authority before he gets into the specifics of his house. Daniel chapter 4. And Nebuchadnezzar, he smelled himself. And he said, boy, am I good. Boy, am I mighty. Boy, am I strong. I'm all that. Daniel chapter 4, verse... Yeah, verse 29. This is a good spot. Verse 29 at the end of 12 months, this is after he had the conversation with Daniel. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Let's read that again. Here we go. <laughs> Trust me, he's not the only one who's ever said this. But sometimes God says, you know, no, no, I can't let that go. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? No one else counts. Look at this in verse 34. Let me tell you, I don't want to read the rest because I don't want to get into explaining it, but God put him where he needed to be put. And it did in such a form and such a fashion Nebuchadnezzar is going to be singing a different song. Verse 34, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. I love it. Again, I know it's King James English, but you know exactly what he's saying. I had my senses knocked into me. I was out of my mind. But God got me set straight. I'm, I'm clear now, y'all. I was crazy. But I'm good now. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. <laughs> and I praised and honored him 
that liveth forever. See, see, he, he is singing a totally different song right now. Because God has spoken. Once hath he spoken. Twice have I heard this. Power belongs unto God. That's why Nebuchadnezzar said, you know, I, I, was, I was a little bit off, y'all. But, you know, my understanding is back. And I bless the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever. Whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? He said, I was a dummy. I was a fool. I was stupid. But I found out where the word of a king is, there is power. And I found out power doesn't belong to me. Power belongs to God. Hmm. At the same time, verse 36. At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me after he recognized See, God sets up, and God tears down. And so if I'm set up, guess who gets the glory? And if I'm torn down, guess who has the final say? Verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works the truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able he says, let me tell y'all, I'm a living witness. I'm a living testimony. <laughs> I was all that. I smelled myself and I was smelling good, but he's able to obey. Once hath he spoken. Twice have I heard this. Power belongeth unto God. Now, I want you to turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. We won't be able to get deeper into this, but I want you at least to hear this. Second Samuel chapter 7. And we'll end with this because I don't want to go beyond this. Second Samuel chapter 7, starting at verse number 1. Again, flow with me through this. Bear with me. But I'm doing this on purpose. I'm taking my time on purpose. Verse 1. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go back. Tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shall you build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not, not me a house of cedar? I'm not worried about that. Now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep. You went from following sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. How would you get there? It was me, David. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest. And have cut off all thine enemies. Why do you have rest right now? Because I cut off your enemies. Out of your sight and have made you a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. 
Moreover, see, I'm not done yet. I'm still working. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all, my, all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. I'm telling you, that just, that just does it to me. Every time I read that, that just gets me. God, you would tell me that you're building me a house when I wanted to do something for you. Verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I'm going to still work. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, 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 here's the plan. God says, now, here's what I already had in work anyway. Verse 13. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God is letting David in on what he already had planned. He's letting David know, David, you think I need something. I got a plan, David. I got it all mapped out. I know the timings. I know the seasons. You might not know because it's not for us to know, but God knows. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 14. I will be his father. And he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. And with the stripes of the children of men. But, let me tell you what's going to happen. My mercy shall not depart away from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house... And thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. I'm, I'm sorry, but this is, this is God's building. When God builds, it's forever. It endures. You, you hear God responding to David, you worried about me and Cedar. I've got something that's going to be set up that's going to be stronger than any Cedar building that you can put together. Verse 16, And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to end. I don't care what you read in books or in commentaries. This is all about Christ. It's not about Solomon. It's all about Christ. And we'll see this. David understood that. Even though the commentaries don't. I'm going to stop there. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwater.com.